You are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life Community Church. Glad that you're here. Um, Obviously, we are grateful today. For all those who have made a sacrifice that we can worship here freely today, I hope you get to celebrate that by charring some meat today. That seems to be the appropriate way to celebrate that. Uh, If you're here today, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, um, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to flip to 2 Peter chapter 3. Just one announcement. Uh, We haven't been doing any announcements just for time, but uh, we made a hire this week. We hired a person for our high school youth position. His name is Gavin Barkas. And he's going to be joining us soon. You'll get to meet him. He's a great guy. We're really excited about it. And, and so is he. So uh, you'll learn more about him in the future. So we're in Galatians 5. This is five, six weeks in the fruit of the Spirit. I should know the week, but I don't know the week. Galatians 5, verse 22, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Hopefully you maybe by just osmosis have been hearing those, and maybe you know it, I always, let's just just get it out there, I always get gentleness and faithfulness backwards. So if you're at home and you're just like, he didn't say it right. I know I didn't say it right. So it's hard for me in this space, like, know when I'm teaching with such few people here, and you people online don't, you don't even have to think about this. I didn't write this for you if I look at you. All right, so I'm always worried. So I'm trying to look over people so you don't think that I wrote this about you. I did not. So in those nine descriptors of the evidence of the Spirit in our life, we could say the benefit of the Spirit in our life, those sort of attributes, we have three groupings of three that we'll find in the nine. Three groupings of three, and so last week we ended the first group, love, joy, and peace. Those are foundational, and they are directed to our relationship with God. They ring truer and deeper as we abide, as we read, as we marinate in the Spirit for, uh, about what Christ has done for us, as we read and we pray the Word. And as we do that, we, become, we come to a brighter realization of how God has thoroughly loved us. We come to understand how our hope brings our joy, and we get a fuller gratitude for the peace that Christ has purchased for us. And these benefits of the Spirit live in the mind and heart and are directed towards God. Love, joy, and peace. And they begin and are authored in the Father. And they are expressed and given to us through the Son. And they are found in us when we confess faith in Jesus Christ, fully understanding what He has done for us. And then they are returned to the Father as we worship and live a life of faith. And so there's a cyclical nature to these things. They're an external characteristics, love and joy and peace that come from the Father, that go internal, and then they're given back to the Father in our life. And so there is a process. And in that process, there is great 
work being done. Like a river that erodes the soft soils and the soft rock to expose this beautiful canyon of bedrock carving its way down, so do the love and the joy and the peace of God slowly in a process remove the passions, selfish desire in our flesh to reveal a fuller image of the God that is in us. So today we tackle the next group, starting with patience. Patience, kindness, goodness. And these describe an outward demonstration of a life that has been motivated and changed by the grace and the love of God. Patience, kindness, and goodness show themselves in our interactions with other, others. And so today we're going to be focusing on what we could call the benefit of the Spirit and patience in our life and how it grows. And so here's the plan. So for you who are impatient in the room, I'm going to work through trying to talk about how patience has been described in this first world reality. When I say first world, I mean this modern capitalistic society. And then we're going to seek a biblical definition of what true patience is. And then we are going to narrow our focus with the resolve of how do we hold biblical patience inside of a first world reality. And so we are going to expose, then we're going to seek, and then we're going to narrow, and I'm going to do it all in 30 minutes so you guys can just settle in and be be okay with that. There is this interesting statistic that says that 95% of us believe that patience is a virtue. So we esteem it highly. But in that same statistical grouping, there was a stat that said 96% of us would willingly drink liquid hot drinks with the fully acknowledging that it's going to melt our mouth because we can't wait. And so we esteem it, but we can't practice it. Maybe you did that today. We're not going to shame you for doing that. Isn't it interesting that 1% of the population is honest? Like 95% esteem it, but 96 would burn their mouths. So 1% of the population is walking around, I hate patients, and I'm just going to burn my mouth here. Maybe that's you. So we esteem this value of patience, yet we have no idea how to practice it in our lives. First Third Bank did a survey in 2015, and 80% of the people that responded to the survey said that they are a patient people. But yet our data in our lives would speak differently than that. Uh, Do you know that the average person today, if put on hold, will hang up within a minute? You will stop watching a video if it doesn't buffer in 10 seconds. Isn't that crazy? The average American will watch seven episodes of a TV show in one sitting because we can't wait to figure out what happened to Kevin. i got to know what happened to Kevin, and so I've got to watch all of these things here. Two-day shipping is great, but you know what's better? One day shipping. One day shipping is better than that. If you're 18 to 24 in this room, this survey would say that you will check your phone eight times after you send a text to somebody that you're dating. You'll send a text and then it's now? Did they respond now? 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 You'll look at your phone eight times before they respond back, and they're probably responding back in 30 seconds or less. And so if we are honest, we are not a patient people. And it is okay to admit that. When we look at this present world, patience is connected to our pleasure, to our happiness, to our comfort. Patience, as we see it, is waiting or delaying 
gratification in those things. And the success of patience, as we might say, is on how long we'll delay gratifying our pleasure and our happiness and our comfort. How long I'm willing to endure before I eat that cheeseburger again. How long am I willing to wait so I can fit in those jeans again? How long am I going to be on hold with the cable company so I can get the discount on my internet? And so at the core of patience is what we love. The core of patience is what we love. And the core of what we love in the fallen world is ourselves. And if I love myself more than anything, then what is the priority of my life, it's me. And if it's me, then it's about my happiness and my comfort and my pleasure. And why would I wait for that? That's silly. Why would I delay pleasure or happiness or comfort if I believe that life is about me, if I'm most important? What that means is we want it faster and quicker. And that's what we find today, instant gratification. Now, there are some that bend that desire for patience in a different direction. They blend it with competitiveness, or they blend it, some with vanity. There are some of us in this room who endure against the desires of our flesh, that endure against our wants because there is a future version of ourselves that we have in mind that we want to see. And that's good, and that's healthy, and we should do those things. But still, at the core of it, is it not a love of self, just a future version of ourselves? And yet, there are still some that take patience, and they blend it with competitiveness and vanity. That they can say in their waiting and their endurance that, look, I am better than you because I can withhold myself from these things. Look what I did. Look at what I'm doing. Look how good I am. Look how good I look in this suit now. And so patience can be blended with competitiveness and vanity. And so the question that I ask today, the question I ask is this, if patience is regarded so highly as a virtue, but yet in its experience it's demonstrated in such scarcity, could it be that we have the wrong motivation? Could it be that we have the wrong motivation? And doesn't it make sense, if we think about the story of God, doesn't it make sense that there are so many of us that esteem patience as a virtue when you come to understand that we are created in the image of God with His characteristics and His desire, and one of those is patience? And doesn't even make more sense when we understand our sin and our rebellion why we can never find fullness and completion in the area of patience. And so today, we are going to examine this topic and maybe come to understand that patience isn't about our lack of willpower or discipline. Scripture communicates that the difference between patience as is known in the Spirit and in the Bible and that of the world is simply based upon whom or what you love. You could even say it is shaped by our love and our joy and our peace. And so let's look at Ephesians 4 today, verses 1 through 3, and we'll begin our journey in patience. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, 
urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Apostle Paul writes this in prison in Rome. He's there for at least four years, and he's writing this letter addressing a few problems in a few churches in the area of Ephesus. And the language that he uses in these verses are very similar to the language that we've read in Galatians 5. We see humility, gentleness, patience, maintaining the unity in the Spirit by the bond of peace, which is Christ Jesus. And so Paul is saying to walk worthy is to walk like Christ. And Paul links this idea of patience to bearing with one another in love. That's important. Bearing with one another in love. And so there are two words for patience in your Greek New Testament. There's two words that we find. The word that Paul writes here is macrothumia. Macrothumia. And that is one of two words. The other word is hupumune. Hupumune. And they both get translated into English in our English versions of the Bible. But there's a distinction. Hupumone is a patience towards circumstances and things. It is a patience that would be demonstrated in a farmer. You could say a sentence like this. After the farmer planted their seeds, despite not seeing any growth in them, they were full of hupumone. Patience that's connected to hope that they can wait because they are hopeful that they will have a reward later. Now, macrothumia is different than that. It is a patience that is connected to people. It's a patience that's directed towards people. Macrothumia is a patience that endures because it esteems another more than we esteem ourselves. Maybe you have seen a mom or dad dealing with a wayward son or daughter. Maybe you are that mom or dad. And maybe you are that wayward son and daughter. And what you have witnessed, if you watch that family, you will notice their parents displaying macrothumia, this sort of patience where they will overlook tirades, they will overlook insults because they have a love for their son and daughter that is greater than the love that they have for themselves. And they are willing to endure because they desperately want to see their child well. And they will put aside their agendas, they will put aside their opinions, they'll put aside their wants to suffer with, to endure with, patiently waiting that their son and daughter would come to their senses. This is the type of patience that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 4 and what he's writing about in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience. Macrothumia. When Paul writes... The love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when he says love is patient, he's talking about macrothumia. Love is long-enduring, long-suffering, and kind. That's the love of God. Recently, I spoke to Jill Gerber, who attends our church, and, and she was in New York City serving with Samaritan's Purse during the height of the pandemic in that city. She worked for 12 hours a day, for weeks on end, without a break, surrounded by COVID patients, 
All the doctors and the nurses were professing believers in Christ, and they would offer to pray with anyone who was sick that came their way. And Jill said that the people would gladly accept the offer of prayer, except for one person. And her whole time there, there was one person that did not want them to pray with her. She just wanted them to do their job and to make her well. And so that's what they did. And Jill and her team worked to serve this patient. And because they are in a tent in a park in New York City, they lacked the regular hospital amenities that we take for granted. They didn't have bathrooms. And so you would see them just washing out these bedpans on the side of the bed, washing them out, doing all the dirty work of health care because the hospital was in a tent in a park in New York City, sacrificing their positions, their prestige, their pride to work as a team, no one better than the other. And this lady was moved. She was moved as she saw the tenderness and the gentleness and the sacrifice of these doctors and these nurses that cared for her. And by the end of it, she would be gladly praying with the nurses and the doctors in the tent in the park in New York City. That's macrothumia. It's this long-enduring, long-suffering forbearance, which means to tolerate, to endure by the Spirit, in the Spirit, where love, joy, and peace in God is so visible and so consistent that they could not refuse to not have it near. That's macrothemia. And we are reminded that that idea of patience does not begin and end with us. We are not the author of that sort of patience. God is the author of that patience because God is the one that displayed it first. The Bible says that God is long-suffering with us, long-enduring with us, that we would come to salvation. And Peter writes about this in 2 Peter chapter 3. In verse 9, he says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I think many of us, as we look back on our stories, are grateful that the Lord didn't return 10 years ago, or five years ago, or two years ago, or one years ago. God has been patient with us desiring for all of us to come to know him, enduring our violence against him, enduring the stupidity of the way we act towards others and to himself, gracefully moving us to a place to get a full glimpse of who he is, that we might see how desperately we need him. God speaks in the, the book of Ezekiel that I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but I desire that the wicked would turn and live fully. So God bestows forbearance onto us because he gives forbearance to us. He gives patience to us in our folly and our sin. And when it clicks for us, when we have that moment of clarity, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, and when we come to faith, he has asked us not to forget it. He's asked us to not forgive it, but to display it towards others. Peter writes further down in chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord 
as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Peter writes this to the churches in the area of Asia Minor, and he talks about Paul specifically and how Paul's story as this zealous Jew that persecuted Christians should be a reminder of the long-suffering, patient nature of our God. That God is long-suffering for us. Therefore, as it reads, we should remember Paul and be diligent in the same way, being at peace being patient with one another as God works salvation in their life because God was patient with us. But this is hard for us because we can come to faith and there are people who wrong us and there are people that aren't following the scriptures the way that we want them to and we would rather God rain judgment and fire and brimstone on them than to endure ourselves through their brokenness. Long enduring, long forgiving, that they may see the love of God in us. And so how do we uphold this biblical idea of patience that is focused on the idea of loving others in a world where patience is esteemed mostly through love of self? And so the obvious thing that we should talk about in every one of these descriptors of the fruit is that we abide. Like abiding is the most central thing that we do as a Christian. Abiding with Jesus, reading his word, praying, thinking about what the spirit wants me to do in life. How should I go about this? How should I make this choice? How can I honor you in this decision? How can I make you known by the way that I act? And we read and pray over his word. How are we to know what we are to be in God if we are not reading about the God that we love? Nothing is more important to us than abiding, remaining, enduring with God. It is how his love and his joy and his peace begin the work of eroding the soft tissue of our selfish desires and passions to create a fuller image of him in us. But there are things that patience will cost us if we are to do it right. Things that will be a cost to us if we are to practice this sort of macrothemia type of patience. And there are four things that I want to bring to us today. Number one is this, is that patience that is the evidence of God in my life will cost us first place. Patience that is an evidence of God in our lives will cost us first place. It's pretty simple. The sort of patience that is displayed in Scripture that is compelled by the Spirit does not see themselves as primary. We humbly live by the words that Paul wrote in the book of Philippians when he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. There is a dying desire in that where we have to lay down making things about ourselves making every situation about my wants and my desire, making every situation about being heard in my opinion. You know, my neighbors the other day, they had a, a, a cookout, and I just, I don't know, I just felt like God was saying, hey, don't make this about you. Because I can make things about me. Don't make this about you. Make this about them. I'm more than enough for you. And so I went to that get-together, but then they, they smoked meat. 
And look, I'm just going to be honest, it's hard to hear smoked meat and not make it about yourself. Okay, so I made it about myself a little bit in the smoked meat. But here's the desire in that. Elevate. Celebrate others. That is the desire of Scripture. Learn how to show compassion and kindness and goodness to those instead of figuring out how I can make things revolve around me, how I can make it about me. It doesn't mean that we're masochist. It doesn't mean that we want to cause harm to ourselves by thinking that others are better as in comparison, because they're not. That's sinful. But we can be patient with others because Christ is more than sufficient for our needs. We can display long-suffering and forbearance because we have in Him everything that we need. The second is this. Patience, that is an evidence of God in our lives, will cost us the right to withhold forgiveness. It will cost us the right to withhold forgiveness. Sometimes we hold on to forgiveness Because in some way, it can bring us comfort to know that they know we are still angry with them. As if we could harm them by their understanding that I'm not okay with you. But to be patient means that we give up our right to withhold forgiveness. And we may think that we are helping ourselves by withholding forgiveness, but the reality is is that we're the ones that end up hurting ourselves more. And more than that, it grieves the Father to not see us move towards reconciliation in Christ. Patience costs us the right to withhold forgiveness because we are long-enduring, long-suffering with people that they may see the glory of God in us. And for some that they may see the love and the power of Christ in us in a way that they may come to know him. We cannot have patience or long-suffering with others if we are not long-forgiving as well. And as believers, that responsibility is on us. I don't know why I watch Dr. Phil. I do every once in a while. And he always says, well, somebody's got to be a hero. That line, maybe you've heard that before. Dan's laughing because he's heard it before. As a believer in Christ, the work of reconciliation is ours. The work of reconciliation is ours. It's on nobody else. It's not on them as far as it depends on you live peaceably with one another. The third is that patience, that is an evidence of God in our lives, will cost us our time. It just does. Patience isn't something that happens once. I was patient with them once. It doesn't happen twice. It's consistently, continually, like the lady experienced in the tent in New York City. It's long enduring. It's consistent over time. It means that I'm going to choose my time and spend my energy and endure and suffer and pray for that person because the biggest desire of my heart is that they would come to see the love and the power of Christ in me that they would come to know Jesus a little bit more through me. That's macrothumia. And it cost us our time. And the fourth is that patience that is an evidence of God in our lives will cost us our pride. Because it means that I might have to say, I'm sorry. 
that I was wrong and I messed that up. It will cost us our rightness because that's what our pride would rather us do, choose rightness over being like Christ. And it's not about whether that person deserves it. Our patience towards other has nothing to do with the worthiness of that person, but everything to do with the worthiness of our God. So this biblical idea of patience, it will cost us first place. It will cost us the right to withhold forgiveness. It will cost us our time. And it will cost us our pride. But it is how we walk as believers, bearing with one another in love, patient and long-enduring like our Savior has been for us. Let's pray. Father, we are humble and realize that, that this idea of patience is misinformed in our life. God, we, we look at patience as, as far as I can withhold um, from things for a love of myself. But Lord, will you patiently, <laughs> gracefully, will you work in our lives that we would elevate others as more significant than ourselves. Not that we are worse off or worse than they are, but that we have a realization that you are more than sufficient for all that we need. And will you remind us of the long-suffering nature that you've taken towards us? Patient in our sin, patient in our disobedience, wanting all to come to repentance. Lord, will you give us the vision in our heart to be that sort of long-suffering and long-forgiving with others? God, bring people into our lives, in our minds, that we would realize that we need to do some work here. Bring those people in our minds that we know that we need to be long forgiving with. Bring those people into our lives that we know that we need to lay down the war that we would glorify you through peace and reconciliation. And so God, just humble us. Help us desire you more and more. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Patience is shown so we can know the long-suffering nature of God. I should say this. Patience is known that we would know the patience of God, and patience is shown that others would see the love of God in our lives. Hey, just a, a reminder, not a reminder, but just an update. We are going to be changing our service structure next week, starting next week. Uh, we've been at 9 and 11. Next week, we move to two services at 9 and 10.30, going to get that 10.30 time back, which has been our 1.30, or one service time. Uh, so 9 and 10.30, so we can begin to roll out our Sunday groups again. Uh, we'll keep you informed on that. We've got our cleaning process pretty much down pat, so we can do it pretty quickly. So 9 and 10.30, there's going to be no need for you to text us anymore. There's not going to be necessarily a restriction for you guys. We'll have an overflow space just in case, but just know you can show up next week at any service, 9 or 10.30, and we'll be gladly uh, receiving of you. All right. Well, I love you guys. Have a great day. Char some meat.